Bibles and turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. One author shared this story of a California couple. They were walking their dog on their own property when they spotted something beginning to emerge from under the dirt of the pathway. It was a corroded tin, tin can that had been buried years before. Digging it up, they found more cans, all containing gold coins, more than 1,400 coins total, valued at more than $10 million. The coins had been minted in San Francisco at various times between 1847 and 1894, dates that span the California gold rush era. One particularly rare coin in the collection was valued at more than a million dollars. It was believed to be the most valuable hidden treasure ever uncovered in the United States. Most of the network news reports covering the story stressed the fact that the odds of winning the lottery are several thousand times better than the chance of finding such a rare treasure. Well, in our text for today, Jesus shared two quick parables of splendid treasure. And I want your hearts to grip this today as we read just three simple verses, 44 to 46. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. As you just saw, these are two short, unexplained stories comparing the kingdom of heaven to a hidden treasure and a priceless pearl. In fact, these are two of eight parables in this chapter addressing the kingdom. It's just like one parable after another. In fact, the whole chapter is devoted to several parables, eight to be exact. And here Jesus in these two parables that I just read was simply talking about becoming a part of that kingdom. And by the way, presently this kingdom is a spiritual realm where Christ rules in repentant hearts of men. I want you to understand that. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 17, 20 and 21, that the kingdom of God is among you. In fact, it was Paul who said in Colossians 1 and verse 13, that you have been rescued from the realm of darkness and been transformed into the kingdom of his beloved son. So there is a spiritual aspect to this kingdom that begins with salvation. But it will culminate in Christ's thousand-year physical reign on earth with his people. 
That's very clear in Revelation 20, verses 1 to 7. And that's going to also be followed by his eternal reign in the new heaven and the new earth, which is found in the following chapter of Revelation, Revelations 21, 1 to 8. So this is something that you need to keep in mind when you're working through these kingdom parables, especially here in chapter 13. Now, there is a point of contrast in these parables. Even though they drive home the same exact point. And we're going to get to that. The first man stumbled on the treasure. Whereas the second man, the merchant, was seeking the treasure. Now, theologically speaking... It must be remembered as you read these accounts that it's only by the grace of God that brings you to this wonderful treasure. I say this because in Jeremiah 17, in verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Romans 3, 10 and 11, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeketh after God. I think a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned that sometimes when you hear people's testimonies, they will say, yes, I was seeking after the Lord and I found him. But just so that you understand, the reason you were seeking after him is because he was seeking you first, right? I mean, Luke 19 and verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the reason he said that is because in the first part of the chapter, he said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins and he made you alive. And so, beloved, do you realize this morning what you have in Christ? And you know, on one hand, I believe you do, because it was through His Spirit that He helped you to see His kingdom and that it was a splendid treasure and lead you to embrace that. It was the Spirit of God that did that. I want you to look with me at John chapter 6, just holding your space here in in Matthew. John chapter 6. Jesus there is talking about the bread of life. And he says these words in John 6, beginning with verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was speaking of Judas there. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. You see, Jesus drew a big crowd often. But that doesn't mean that they were true disciples. It says very clearly here that upon him saying these words, many left him. And then verse 67, I love this. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen and amen. And yet, there are some times that we forget the wonderful treasure that we have in Christ. In fact, we take it for granted. We just go on with our day-to-day activities without giving thought to it. And we should because it's God's grace that we have found this wonderful treasure. Amen? Yes. And so... I want you to consider with me this morning three reasons, three reasons from these verses as to why the kingdom of heaven is like a splendid treasure, just as he declared here in this portion of scripture. And I trust that it will that it will lead you to rejoice in what Christ has given to you and that you would recommit your own heart to the Lord, just as it says in Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, what? By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In light of the treasure that you possess, commit your heart to Him as we consider these reasons this morning. And the first reason is captured in both parables, actually. But it's only stated in the second. I want you to look at verse 46. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. What's clear there? The kingdom of heaven is like splendid treasure because of its great value. Because of its great value. Both men here were willing to sell all they possessed to acquire this treasure. Indicating its immense worth. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, like having Christ as Lord in your hearts. And then being under his reign in the future and for all eternity. Right? Yeah, amen. There's nothing like that. You can't buy that. There's not a price tag that you can put on that. Not at all. And it all begins when God opens your spiritual eyes to the wonder of salvation and you put your faith in Christ alone. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. It was a part of our scripture reading this morning. We're going to go back there a couple of times. It's such a wonderful text of Scripture. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. This is what the Apostle Paul says. That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it, 
or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Amen. You see, these men, both Paul and Peter, understood by the grace of God how priceless it is to have guilt removed, to have sins forgiven, to have the righteousness of Christ applied to your account. An inheritance gained and an eternity with Christ received. And so much more. <laughs> so much more. Indeed, it's of great value. Amen? And yet we do forget. Thomas Guthrie, a Scottish minister in the 1800s, essentially said this thing, same thing, just in a different way when he was looking at these parables. I want you to listen to what he had to say. In the blood of Christ to wash out sin's darkest stains. In the grace of God to purify the foulest heart. In peace to calm life's roughest storms. In hopes to cheer guilt's darkest hour. In a courage that defies death and descends calmly into the tomb. In that which makes the poorest rich and without which the richest are poor indeed. The gospel has treasures greater far than east or west unfold and its rewards more precious than all the stores of gold. Absolutely. And so, beloved, be reminded of this today. And if necessary, repent of your coldness of heart that causes you to forget the priceless treasure that you have in Christ. And then thank Him for the treasure in Christ and live for Him. Again, it's of great value. And that's what Jesus said here in this parable. And this leads into our second reason. And again, it's captured in both parables, but it's only stated in the first. Look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What do you see here? It should be obvious. The kingdom of heaven is like splendid treasure because it brings great joy. Yeah, it brings great joy. The Greek word there is kara, rejoicing. Yeah. Rejoicing. Besides the treasure's great value, it was also the joy of 
finding such treasure that led the men to sell all they possessed to get it. You know, there are many things in life we enjoy, isn't there? There is. I mean, just recently I was out on the East Coast with my mom and partaking of many of the seafood delicacies. Yeah, you can't go out there and not partake in that. I can remember the first day I was out there, I had clam strips and shrimp. Oh, it was good. And then the next day I was in Bahaba. That's Bar Harbor. That's Maine talk, okay? And I had a lobster roll and clam chowder. I'm getting it. Yeah. It was delicious, let me tell you. And then the next day, I had fish and chips. Not like what you get around here. No, on my plate was a big old haddock filet about that thick. And I enjoyed every bite of it. It was delicious. But even with that, there is nothing that brings satisfaction and contentment to the soul like knowing Christ's lordship in our lives, both now and for all eternity. Nothing. This life and what it offers is fleeting. It's temporary, sometimes disappointing. But only what Jesus offers brings true delight to the hearts of mankind. I want you to turn with me over to Luke chapter 19. You're familiar with this text? Luke 19. I quoted from it a moment ago. But Luke 19 is a story of Zacchaeus. Luke 19. Starting with verses 5 and 6. Luke 19, 5 and 6. Jesus was walking through the city of Jericho. And as you know, Zacchaeus was up in a tree. And it says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly or with great joy. Now, why is that? Verse 9 tells us why. Look at it. And Jesus said to him, that is Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. That's why there was joy. Salvation had come to his very life. Jesus also told his disciples in John fifteen eleven that the fruit of abiding in him under his lordship results in Great joy. Look with me at what the Apostle John said later in 1 John. 1 John 1. 1 John 1. Verses 1 to 4. 1 John 1. 1 to 4. What was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He's speaking about Jesus Christ. 
And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Listen to these words of Paul from Romans 14 in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. I just want to stop there for a moment. That's said in the context where there was conflict in the church because there were some believers who were eating meat offered to idols. And so Paul here is giving instruction on how to handle gray matters. But he told all of those believers this word, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, it's in the kingdom of God that alone brings such things as he declared there. Walter B. Knight said one time, joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts, announcing that the king is in residence. Yeah. And so, beloved, as Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Always. Yeah. And again, I say rejoice. We have every reason to rejoice because of the treasure that we have in Christ. No matter what... What's going on? In fact, when Paul said those words, where was he? He was in prison. And yet he's exhorting God's people in the churches to rejoice in the Lord always. He was rejoicing because his present circumstances were nothing compared to knowing Christ. The wonderful treasure that we have in him. And so, yes, the kingdom of heaven is like splendid treasure because of its great value and it brings great joy. But now to one other reason. And I consider this to be the primary reason. It's the main point that Jesus was driving in these two parables. And it's stated in both of them. And I have already alluded to it. But I want us to read again verse 44 and verse 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 46. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so what do you notice there? The kingdom of heaven is like splendid treasure because it leads to great surrender. That's right. It leads to great surrender. In both these parables, the men sold all, not some, all that they possessed to gain their one purchase, the treasure and the pearl of great price. Now, that's not to say that the kingdom of heaven can be bought. (laughs) I believe all of you realize that. Actually, it's already been purchased, right? By the blood of Jesus Christ. What you have represented here in both 
these parables, these transactions, is a surrender of everything you are and have for the treasure of Christ's kingdom. His rule, his reign in your life and heart. That is, you are willing to set aside all that you cherish. That means your sin. You're willing to set that aside. The world and all that it offers. Even your family and religion, if necessary, to follow him. That's the point that Jesus is driving here in these two parables. And you know, beloved, only God can work that out in our hearts. As I said before, it's by the grace of God. You see, Jesus here was speaking to a large crowd, a large crowd of Jewish people. If you go back to the beginning of Matthew 13, Jesus saw this large crowd, and so he got out into a boat with all these Jewish people on the beach, and he starts to share all these parables of the kingdom. And these were people who were tightly holding to their religious heritage. And what Jesus was doing was calling them to turn away from all of that, to trust Him and accept what He was offering. I like what D.A. Carson said in regards to this. The person whose whole life has been bound up in pearls, the entire religious heritage of the Jews will on contemplating the true value of the kingdom gladly exchange all else to follow him. Yeah. Look with me at Matthew 19, verse 16. Matthew 19 in verse 16. I'm going to read through verse 26. This same account is also found in Luke 18, 18 to 27. I've read that passage before. But the same account is in Matthew, and so I'm directing your attention to it. Matthew 19, beginning with verse 16. Look what it says. And someone came to him, that is Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now think about that. The reason Jesus goes there is to help him understand that he can't. It's impossible. And that he must turn to Jesus and trust him. That didn't happen, but that's the reason Jesus goes on to say what he does there. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them with people, 
This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, I want you to look back with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 10. I'm just staying here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. Because this same message is repeated over and over again by Jesus. Matthew chapter 10. And actually, I'm going to begin reading with verse 34. I thought about verse 37, but I want us to read verses 34 and following here. Matthew 10, beginning with verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now think about that. How often do you hear that? You you don't. Or very rarely. And this is why he said it. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What Jesus was saying here, and you have to understand it in its context, is that when you choose to follow Jesus, it may cause great division in the home. In fact, I would venture to say that there are a number of you here who upon embracing Christ have been rejected by your family. Oh yeah. This is not unusual, okay? Jesus said this would happen. And then notice what he goes on to say in verse 37 and following. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Now go with me over to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 24 to 26. All of this is leading to these kingdom parables that we were looking at earlier. Matthew 16, beginning with verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Wow. Now, let's go see what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3 again. All right? Philippians chapter 3. I told you we were going to come back to this wonderful text. Colossians, uh, Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 3. Philippians 3, beginning with verse 3. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. 
circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. If there's anyone who had a place to boast, it was the Apostle Paul. But notice what he goes on to say in 7 to 9. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Everything that Paul says here is consistent with what Jesus proclaimed. Those men in those two parables sold all that they possessed to get the one treasure to get the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like that priceless treasure. And so, beloved, have you surrendered all to follow Jesus? No turning back, as the old hymns go, because you have realized by the grace of God the value of his kingdom, both personally and eternally. I trust you have. In fact, I pray that you have. And if not... May today be the day of your salvation where you enter the spiritual kingdom of God. And one day you will reign with him on this earth and you will be in his eternal glory. My, oh my, what a wonderful treasure that is. And so if you're sitting amongst us this morning and you don't know Christ, may God help you to realize this priceless treasure and turn to him for salvation alone. And if you have turned to Christ, then as 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be committed to Him. Why? Because of His grace to you. He's the one who helped you to see by His Spirit that splendid treasure and drew you to himself. And now that you have it, there should be no turning back. Not at all. Most, if not all of you, are familiar with that old hymn by Martin Luther. I brought the hymn book up here. A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I just want to read a portion of the lyrics. The last stanza, by the way. He says... Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. Well, this captures exactly what Jesus was saying in these parables. These parables that we consider today where the kingdom of God is like splendid treasure. We forsake all to embrace that. That only comes by His grace. And so it's splendid treasure because it's of great value.
It brings great joy and it leads to great surrender. And so I pray, as did the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1.13, the very verse that I started with, that you have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's my prayer for you this morning. And I trust that you truly do know him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And what a joy it is to just quickly look at these parables that Jesus shared with this audience. He wanted them to forsake all to follow him. Because indeed he is that great treasure. So I pray, Father, that your people understand that today. If there's some soul here that does not know Jesus, may today be the day of their salvation, that they see this wonderful treasure in Christ. For those of us who have seen and have turned to you, O God, help us to be faithful to you. Help us not to take what we have for granted, but to be always thankful with a heart and life that's committed to you, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.